Welcome to Fresno's Best Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Maddox. Today we have Anna Covarrubias and Marcy Rodriguez of the Pie Mamas on the show. These two home bakers turned a passion into a thriving business and are baking some of the most beautiful pies in Fresno. Please enjoy our fascinating conversation about our favorite holiday dessert, and Baker will take us there. Fresno's best. Fresno's best. So where do you both like to eat in Fresno? Oh my gosh, where don't we like to eat? Uh, yeah, yesterday, I'm a big foodie, so. yeah, we are. We're huge foodies. We love to try new places. Um, yesterday, okay, actually, let's let's right. separate it out. Then, what's a new place and an old place? Each of you. Okay, so for me, old place is going to be Zamora's Mexican food. It's very good. They actually just moved to Belmont, and they have homemade flour tortillas. Their food is delicious and always on point. A new place that I really like that we recently were introduced to, which is not new, is the Libby Lula. Their food is just very good. Very, very good. Especially having tots. I mean, you can't go wrong with tots. <laughs> nope, never. Um, I personally like Al's Cafe. I've liked going there. It's been there for a long time. Everybody knows about it. Something new that I do like is Chuck's Barbecue in Clovis. Um, I have I like- seen that. What what do, what do they do well there? Their, tri- their brisket, their tri-tip, their ribs they have chicken. I'm real picky on the chicken, but I really like their smoked chicken. Yeah, that's wonderful because I love good Texas barbecue or Texas-style barbecue. Kansas City, I believe. Oh, Kansas even City. better. Even yes. better. That's wonderful. Well, that's yeah. exciting. I'm, I've been looking forward to trying new barbecue places. I'm kind of tired of going to Westwoods. So we're going to jump into a bunch of pie-related questions. I have... We're going to get granular because I really, I, when it comes to baking, it's all about the details, right? And right, I think yeah. the details are critical and they're also actually fun to talk about. I think some people think, oh, you know, talking about the, the ratios in your pie crust is not terribly interesting. I find it fascinating. So <laughs> buckle up everyone because we're going to get in the details. We're going to start with pie crust. This is a weird random question, but I, I think you'll get it. What should pie, pie crust smell like? Oh, delicious butter, like just that buttery smell is what you should be getting from your pie crust. That buttery, flaky, just deliciousness. What does butter smell like? I don't even know what that smells like. It's like a like a it's smooth, almost like a sweet, smooth flavor, like a nutty. Yeah, smell. it's weird, but it's, it's we've really been good. around it all day, so. Because sometimes if you don't smell anything right, then you know your pie crust is maybe not baked through enough because you're not getting that chemical reaction. But then obviously if it's too too baked or overbaked, you're going to get that slight smell of burnt, right? Yeah. Which kind of leads me to my next question is what what how would you describe and this is this is true for a lot of baking. How would you describe the color it should be? So I think for a lot of people there's that like really fine line between where they've just taken it slightly too far. And I think sometimes color can be more helpful than smell. So how would you describe the color when you know it's finished? Like a golden, like a golden brown, but not so much like a dark brown. It has to be, it's like in between a light and a dark brown. It's like, you can tell when it's perfectly cooked just on that golden color that we see I don't know if you want to touch on yeah, that. Yeah, it's... it's getting to be a almost deep golden brown, like a rich golden brown. And it's not too deep where it looks like it's like a dark brown, but it's just like a rich golden brown color. Yeah. That's when you know it's ready. 
and the edges are set and it just looks like this beautiful pie that you've you know brought together. Now, how do you not get confused by egg wash though? Because sometimes people can get confused by egg wash. They put a lot of egg on top and then that has that reaction that causes that color, but maybe another part of your pie crust is not baked through. So how do you avoid getting tricked by your egg wash? Um, so it just depends honestly on the oven. You're, it's, there's a whole bunch that goes into pie baking. So if you're using a regular oven, like a home oven that everyone has, and you're using a glass dish, um, it can take a little bit longer than normal to get that pie crust cooked all the way, but the glass dishes are really great. Cause you, you can always just lift it and look, look at that bottom and see if it's also a nice golden Brown. Um, and if you're using a, like a beautiful, you know, like some people buy those little dishes and they just want to look at it and make sure it's been in there long enough. The edges will lift up a little bit when you're, when you're letting it sit and it'll move a little bit. So, you know, it's done. Okay. So using glass and then you brought up ovens, which I was going to talk about in a minute, but let's just jump into this. Why are our ovens deceptive? Oh my gosh. My mom has a double oven, top of the line, double oven, and her top oven is a convention and the lower is not. And I think the convention moves the air. It circulates a little better if I'm not mistaken. So I do love baking in a convention oven because that air is circulating. You're getting that hot air all around your pie and it cooks a lot more evenly. And just, you know, having a thermometer in your oven really helps out as well because your levels and your sides of your oven can be baking differently. So that's mm -hmm. why sometimes you get a burnt crust edge and then your center is not cooked yet. So is there certain places in the oven where you found more consistency with temperature, like keeping it in the center versus the sides or corners? Definitely. I think in the middle. Yes. In the middle usually cooks better. If you I heard, that, I heard you should push it all the way back in the center. Is that is that accurate information? Or do you think it doesn't matter how deep it is? I think for me personally, if you're going to cook, like if you have two levels in your in your oven, just have it in the center of your actual oven. That's going to be the best place because you're getting all the air circulating evenly within your pie versus having one side that's hotter on your pie. Do you even look at the temperature? Like when you push the button on the oven, it tells you what temperature it's going to bring it up to. Or do you purely look at the thermometer? Because that number is kind of maybe like what it's supposed to be, but not actually what it is. We do both. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say we look at both because, again, you don't know what what it's going to be inside, even though you set it at a certain temperature. Got it. Okay, let's talk about pie crust composition. So how much fat, meaning butter, should there be in pie crust relative to the flour? I know some people are put a lot more butter in than maybe people think they should. And then what are your thoughts on shortening as opposed to butter? I prefer the butter in a crust. Shortening is great if you're looking for a pie crust that you can throw into an oven right away without it melting on you or having that droopy look because that butter has melted. But we prefer an all butter crust just because that flavor profile is there. It just has that nice flakiness in your pie crust when you're, you know, breaking into that pie. And overall, it's just, just more beautiful when you're, when you're baking versus the Got it. Have you heard anything about people that use olive oil in crust? I, I've, I've seen this on TikTok that using alt alternative fats in pie crust. Have you experimented with anything other than butter or shortening? I don't think we've No, we have not. No. We have heard of that. 
And we do use like olive oils, sometimes our oils for like our personal, like if we're making tortillas or stuff like that, but not for our pie crust, just because it'll change your, your yeah. flavor profile in the pie. I mean, some individuals might like it, but we prefer that all butter crust just because for us, it just, it just hits home. Yeah. It's just way That's better. That's what us. we're used to. <laughs> yeah. I think the flavor profile obviously might move you kind of in that Mediterranean or savory pie direction, which if you're selling sweeter pies or dessert pies, that doesn't necessarily right. make sense. Okay. Maybe in a quiche. I yeah. think in a quiche, that sounds like it would be amazing. Yes, I agree. What do you have a preferred butter that you use? Like when you, you know, let's say, let's say you're giving advice, someone's in the grocery store aisle and they're looking and there's like fancy European butters, you know, you got your grass fed butter, you've got your traditional butters. Obviously they're not going to grab margarine because they're not insane. Right. What, what do you, what do you recommend that they pick out? So there is quite a bit of butters that I do love. If you're looking to splurge a little bit, then yes, let's go with like the Irish butters. Those are really good. There is a butter that I really love called Vermont butter. It's Vermont creamery. I think it is. That one is just, it's a cultured butter. And a lot of people are not really too big on cultured butters or like really don't know a lot about it um, because it's a different style of butter, but it's just, it's just very good. It's, it just tastes a lot better and has like a different flavor profile to it. So that's, that's really good about it. And it's not that expensive, but it is a little bit more pricey in comparison to like the store brand one. Um, But if you're purchasing a butter and it's an unsalted butter, which is what we prefer to purchase, that's going to be best for baking because you can control your salts that are going into it. So does the high-end butter just give you a better flavor profile? Does it also add to the texture as well? I feel like it does add to the texture because when we do bake cookies, your cookies do taste a lot better, especially if you're making that brown butter cookie. It does give you a better flavor profile when you are using a higher quality butter. But Costco is really great on butter as well because they use, uh, I think, California dairies for their butter. There, it's just they slap the Kirkland brand onto it. Got it. I've been watching a lot of food YouTubers lately that are trying to do different things with desserts. And one of them that I watched recently he did a a sheet tray apple pie where basically he laid out pie dough crust across a whole sheet tray and then put a thinner layer of apples and then the crumble texture on top. And he was making the case that people love the filling, but they also just really love the crust. And so we need to increase the uh, crust to (laughs) filling ratio. Do you think we need more crust in our bites? And what is your ideal ratio? Yeah, I think we do need more crust. I think a lot of people love the crust. Yeah. I mean, for Thanksgiving, we've even had people order just, just crust, crust separately just on top crust? of crust. Yes. Yeah. What does that even mean? So, like, is it just like an empty pie? Is it like a pie shell or is it just like yeah. they just want the crust? So, just our crust. Just, just our crust. crust. <laughs> so, they'll purchase their pies, their apple, bourbon, whatever it is that they purchase. And then they'll still ask for additional pie crusts on the side. So, just the crust because they love it so much. <laughs> yeah. What do you do with that? the trimmings uh, that are left over what what what's, I what's... Them. Okay. <laughs> I'll bake them I'll bake them and I'll just be snacking on just okay. crust so it's just like a little snacks a little, little while you're yeah. working type snacks yeah I love that, that that's a, that's a great way and then how much egg wash should we use on our pies what it, is there like a threshold where you have too much egg wash I think you can put too much on it because it will like overly brown if you add too much, but there are so many recipes out there that you can use for egg wash, depending on what you like, but just like a nice, even 
like not overly drenched or dripping type of egg wash, just like a nice little brush on there just to make sure it's nice on there. And it'll give it that nice, beautiful yeah. brown glisten when you I always go overboard it. sometimes on it and it'll look too <laughs> brown where it doesn't, it's not burnt, but because of the egg wash, it'll kind of give it a darker look. And so I have to like really make sure that I don't overly put egg wash on it. Yeah. I hate that when, cause you've, you've made the pie perfectly and then you just get so, you know, you got the holiday music on and you're just brushing, brushing. You go from the primer coat to the second coat to the third coat. And you're like, oh, yeah. no. And then you get and the pie can be perfect on the inside. But if if that veneer on top is too dark then people are like, yeah. oh, they burnt it. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. OK, let's talk about filling questions now. When do you choose frozen fruit as opposed to fresh fruit? And is it just seasonal or are there are some frozen fruit items that actually work better than the fresh? So if you're baking at home for yourself, do whatever is best for you. I always say, you know, because again, everyone's on a different budget. Everyone has different things that they're doing. So we don't ever want to be like, oh, that's that's horrible. Yeah. But we prefer our fresh, you know, ingredients. So we do prefer fresh berries on our end. We do seasonal options just because, you know, we're here in the central Valley. I mean, that's what we have here is just abundance of everything. So we want to make sure that we utilize that as best as possible. So like right now, we just went and purchased fresh apples from an individual that's purchasing, getting apples from Sanker. He's picking them every Sunday in, in an orchard that his family owns. So just having access to that here is really great. And if they can do that an individual, we would say 100% use fresh because you'll taste the difference mm -hmm. in versus the frozen. Yeah. What if a what if a fruit's not in season though and you want to bake pies with it? What what would you recommend? <laughs> Going to the grocery store and just seeing what they what fruit they have shipped from somewhere else or go to that frozen aisle? You know, frozen is not that bad. You know, if an individual wants to bake a pie at home and they want a boysenberry pie because boysenberry is only in season for like two months usually. Right, right. So if you want boysenberry and you're like, I really want boysenberry, then by all means, go get that frozen boysenberry and see if it's local because that's going to be your best bet. If it's coming from out of, you know, the country or something, it might taste a little different. You don't know what's, you know, being fed into that fruit. So definitely make sure you're looking into that, but do what's best for you. Yeah. Okay, we're going to jump into three pies that are kind of the three horsemen of the of the Thanksgiving <laughs> apocalypse. We'll start with one that's kind of pre-Thanksgiving, which is apple pie you just brought up. So with apples, and you're thinking about buying for apple pie, do you go for higher-end apples like your Honeycrisps or your Tangos, or do you think like your traditional Granny Smiths are just fine? How do you, how do you think about what to include? So we actually only include Granny Smith. Okay, it's why is that? I just feel like it's a tartness to it. It's also sweet and it just balances right with all the spices and the sugars that we add into it. And then also it pairs perfectly, I feel like, with our crust. So because our crust is a little bit sweet, it's not just like just butter. We do add a little bit of stuff into it, but it's a perfect pair, I feel like, to where when we use the Granny Smiths, it has that tartness to it still versus just straight sweet. On some yeah, of the, like galas and other apples like that. And they yeah, bake. Because some of the well. apples can be really sweet, right? Like if you had a honey crisp in there, is it just gonna be sweet on sweet? Yeah, yeah. that's why we balance it more with the Granny Smith. And they okay. bake very well. They hold yes. up, they don't break apart or fall apart. Like you get sometimes where you get a pie where your apples are really mushy. With the Granny Smith, they don't fall apart, they stay intact the entire baking process. And mm -hmm. they're in there for 45 minutes. So 
Um, it gives you, and they still have that crunch when they come out. Yes. So you're still getting that really good apple pie. I may or may not have a family member that I witnessed try to make apple pie with Macintoshes and I almost fell out of my chair because I, cause those are, is it, is it the mealiness that causes them to break down? You think? Cause I think I'm not sure. are really, are really, they have a nice textural bite to them. I think. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not an apple expert. I mean, I, we're not even professional bakers. <laughs> we just love baking. <laughs> we love baking. We love cooking. So we just go with what we try out here in the yeah. kitchen and what we love and seems to be working. tried out a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. We failed sometimes. I'll tell you that. We failed. Okay. In apple Next, one. Next one uh, is I'm going to let you guys settle debate. So there's a debate in the apple pie world, whether you should pre-cook your apples or let them cook when you bake, where do you land? I like to pre-cook. Okay. We pre-cook yes. our apple base because we want it to caramelize a little bit and like thicken before we put it into the oven. Because when we haven't done that, you have the risk of it not setting in the oven. So then you get like more liquidy, not set pie. So we do cook them beforehand. And you also run the risk of the soggy bottom, right? The thing that we yes. all know from the Great British Baking Show, that soggy bottom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And my understanding that. is when you when you don't pre-cook, it just releases all the liquid in your pie base and then it just builds up and then oof. Yeah, that's there's nothing worse than having liquid pie. You need yeah. element. Yeah. And another good tip too is for these, you know, individual baking home is put egg wash on your pie shell, like your crust before you put your filling in put egg wash at the bottom. Oh, really? Why is that? That really helps out. We were doing research on pies and we found that a lot of bakers do egg wash their crust base before putting in their filling because it provides a barrier to help your crust fully bake through. And then that liquid that's being released from your apples or berries or whatever you're baking doesn't soak into your pie crust. Got it. Okay. Now we're going to go on to another favorite. This is actually my grandfather's favorite. So every Thanksgiving, he's like, where's the pecan pie? No. Um, do you, think mo- do you think most pecan pies are too sweet? Yes. How does that happen? Uh, a lot of caro syrup. It is. The, it's the corn syrup. That they the use. Corn syrup, Car- yeah. Caro syrup, Car- yeah. Caro, yeah. Caro, yeah. Corn syrup. And I've heard that there's been a movement towards other kinds of syrups that add a little more texture, like maple syrup and different things. But let's talk about your goo. What's your ideal nut-to-goo ratio? In our recipe, we use one and a quarter cup of half pecans for each full size pie. And the half pecans are great because you get a good bite in your mm-hmm. pecan pie. And it's just, it's just overall more. Yeah. We feel like it has to be half and half of the pecan to the, like the other, I call it liquid to your gold. Goo, Yeah. Your liquid yeah. gold. Yeah. And maple syrup is best. Yes. We use maple syrup, maple syrup in our pecan pie, and it does have a huge difference in your in your pie filling. It just makes it that much better. It's just buttery and maple syrupy, and it's <laughs> just it gives it a nice consistency. So you're not getting like that tapioca gel filling when you're binding into that pecan pie. Well, I love that you brought up the half pecans because. I feel this way, and this is a totally different subject, but I feel this way about salad. Sometimes someone will make you a salad and there'll be giant leaves of lettuce in the salad and you're like trying to put it in your mouth and it's like so big. And I don't think it's fully trickled down to people yet that the smaller the size of the food in your bite, the more, the better the chewing experience is. And I've had a lot of pecan pies where there's just big old whole pecans in there. 
and you're like, and it's just the worst. And it's like, it's like how, you know, because you don't want it to just be like a crumble because you want to have a, a, a pie bite. So was that experimenting that you arrived on the half pecan or, and, and what was, what's the feedback that people give you on the smaller sizes? Well, we've, when we were testing here in the kitchen, we did the traditional little tiny crumble one. We did little chopped up pieces and then we tried our halves and overall um, we have a huge family. So overall the consensus of our family was the halves were the best and her, my cousin Marcy here and my sister are actually lovers of bourbon pecan. So that was their top as well. So that's what we stuck with. And our customer base seems to really enjoy and appreciate having yeah. those halves in the pie as well. Yeah, because you want to taste the pecan also when you're biting into it. You don't want just a little chopped up one. You know, you want to have that bite. Do you pre-toast your pecans or do you just let the baking accomplish that? We let the baking accomplish that. But, you know, toasting some on top would yeah. probably be very, very good. Actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, because <laughs> you do get the ones that are sitting on top when they are baking. That do taste they do good. taste really good when you bite into it. So we do like to layer some on top so you could, when you bite it, there's some that are toasted on top. So now you Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing we're going to add onto our list is to maybe toast, see how they taste. <laughs> Just a thought. Pumpkin pie. This is the one that is controversial in many ways. It's, for whatever reason, a staple. And I've done a lot of research on what's actually in those pumpkin cans that we buy. Apparently, there's something with the FDA where they can have winter squash in there and still label it as pumpkin. Do you guys actually like pumpkin pie or do you feel like it's time for it to move on? I do love pumpkin pie. I've always been a huge lover of pumpkin pie, but we have a sweet potato recipe that my mom came up with that is also equally there and just really good does it matter what 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 you know squash or you know starchy vegetable that you put in can you really put in anything just with some pumpkin pie spice so it just depends so i have heard that the libby's pumpkin mix is not pumpkin it's like a like you said a type of squash that they use but there is certain pumpkins like the you know the smaller ones that are pumpkin pies you know pumpkins that are you can roast, which we have done. We roast them and throw them in the oven and you know, peel them and pre- puree them. You can do that. But there's different types of pumpkins that you can actually bake with. You just have to make sure you're researching well because there's others that have a lot more water base in them, some that are more stringy. So then you're not getting a true pumpkin smooth consistency. You're getting more of like a sweet potato consistency. So it just depends yeah. on what everyone likes in their pie. But yeah. Got it. Let's talk about let's talk about the jig, jiggle effect. How much jiggle should your pumpkin pie have? Should it just should it just be like a light, like the guy that's standing in the corner of the club, just kind of bouncing back and forth, or should it be like full gyration? Like where 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 what should it look like? It should not be a full gyration just because it's not cooked in the center. Yeah. You should have like a nice, almost like Jello jiggle in the center like you can see that it's kind of set the sides are not moving but just that center is is jiggling a little so that's when you know your pie is good and it hasn't like if it's cracked and it's inflated you've you've overcooked it and it's it's gonna give you that grainy taste when you're biting into it got it okay next one so if people want to try something different for thanksgiving because they've just been on the rotation of those conventional pies What's one pie you'd recommend that they add to their Thanksgiving rotation? Just one triple berry. Mm, I would say triple probably. Favorite. I would say probably our 
triple berry or apple berry because you get oh, yeah. apple and triple berry combined. So more more fruit fruit on the table and not just squash or pumpkin, whatever we're right. saying it is. And, the apple and berry pecans. is very good. Yeah. If they want to try something different, yeah. I would say either. I would say appleberry. I would say or appleberry because you get a taste of both. Got it. Yeah, you're okay. the best of both worlds yeah. there. Okay, let's jump into a few more pie questions before we talk about the business of pies. Are there any fruits that do not work in pie? Have you run into fruits that just it doesn't make sense? Or can you put literally any fruit you want in a pie? Technically, I guess you kind of can put a fruit into a pie. And if you like it, then you like it. I have heard we have a loquat tree. And I was like, well, let's try and do a loquat pie. But it's just so difficult because you have to do so much work into them. The same with the prickly pears right now is season for prickly pears. And I've heard and researched of individuals doing pies of prickly pear. So like for us, because we are Hispanic, prickly pears is a huge thing in our community. Mm -hmm. You know, we were like, let's, let's try that out. But again, that's a lot of work because it has so many seeds and it's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Does, is it, is it water content too? Like I've never heard of a grape pie, but I imagine that would just be. There the is a grape pie. pie. There is a grape pie. There really? is. It's a Concord grape pie. Yes. <laughs> do they? I imagine they must cook the grapes down a little bit or something. They do. They do. They you cook it down, and then I think some individuals still add jelly to it. But it's a Concord grape pie. There's even a raisin pie. Yes. Raisin pie, raisin butter pie. pie. Okay, right? I got to draw the line somewhere. That yeah. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so. Let me ask you this kind of thing outside the box. Should we be making our pies in other shapes and sizes? Does the tyranny of the traditional pie tin need to come to an end? I don't think it needs to come to an end. I do think we do make pies in different sizes. You want to let them know about the sizes, like different things that we do? Yeah. So we do, I mean, with different sizes, we have our, you know, our whole pie, 10 inch pie. And then we do have a mini, which is four, four inch, four inch pie. And then we have our baby. Yeah, those are cute. It's a two and a half inch pie, two bite pie is what we call it. Yeah. Uh, we do also have like hand pies. We've also made hand pies. Um, and then our slab, like for And then we did do, yeah, we had a wedding that we did a sheet pie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we did also, I mean, and that was something that she requested. Yeah. The, she wanted the, the sheet pie instead of the regular circle. Is it uh, is it easier to do kind of like a sheet pie or something that's more rectangular or square versus the circle? I think it was um, harder, no? I feel like it was harder just because we used our big giant half sheet pans. Yeah. So we had to do a lot more work into it. But it just depends on what you're looking for in a pie. If you're just going to slap a crust onto it and no design, then that's like the easiest thing to do. But it just depends yeah. on an individual. Okay. You're going to enter uh, a family debate that happens every year. I would well, say we're ready. Four, four or five <laughs> days after Thanksgiving. What is your opinion on how long pies last? And also, what's your opinion on frozen pies? Okay. So I am, I'm cool with frozen pies. If you make your pies at home and you freeze them, they should be good in the freezer for up to six months if you tightly saran wrap them or like, what is it, vacuum pack? Yeah. Vacuum, vacuum seal. seal them. You can do that and take them out whenever you want and have a freshly baked pie. And then for us, we say they last at least four days on the counter. Other than that, please do not eat them after four days because you're going to get sick. But hey, some people do still, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I kind of stretch that limit. I think it for me, I look for textural clues when a pie is kind of 
reach that point where some things are starting to oxidize, like getting harder and crispy on the outside where they should be soft and gooey. That tends to be my shorthand for when I should stop eating the pecans. Yes. Or if you see little, what is it? Those little white spongy things, please do not eat. Yeah. Yeah. If you see mold, please don't eat. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Are there, are savory pies underrated? Yes. Okay. What, 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 what savory pies do you enjoy? I love a good, you know, chicken pot pie. I do love quiche, like breakfast quiches. Those are my favorite. So, and then you've had meat pies before. Mm, I tried it one time, I think. I think that's what they called it. It was a meat pie, but I'm yeah. not. So I'm this not is where the debate comes in because she doesn't like them and I do. So yeah. it just. <laughs> is an empanada a pie? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we all love empanadas. So that makes sense okay. to me. What and about, I... is a pupusa a pie? No. 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 I, I would say no, because that's a different type of flour you're using and technique. But I guess I could, mean, people use masa for their, could people use masa for their for their pie crust? I don't know. I hmm. think that's not really that that's like a tamale you're getting. <laughs> yeah. I'm just curious because it's like <laughs> well, it's interesting to think about like where what is because I and I I struggle with this with a lot of things where you start testing the limits of a definition of something. And yeah. then there's a question as to at what point does it become something else? And, you know, I think we should all test the limits and not worry about the boundaries so much. But yeah, you're right. I, I wouldn't call a pupusa a pie either. Yeah, I'm like, no. <laughs> Okay, let's get into what I'm calling pie economics. So margins in the food industry, as we all know, are very notoriously slim. Can you talk about how you think about sourcing ingredients and then matching this kind of dialectic between trying to have the best margins possible, but also the best quality product. Yeah, that's, that's a real tough one because everything just keeps increasing on a daily basis. So I feel like, I mean, we try to get our fruit from, you know, local farmers or somebody that we might know that's in agriculture and, Mm -hmm. you know, that does, you know, like she says, we get our apples from somebody who has a family orchard. Yeah. So berries as well. We're always on the lookout for our berries so that way we can try to, you know, get them from a farm here nearby. We do also look at like farmers markets and things like that. So, I mean, everything is going up in price. We do try to find if we can get it maybe in bulk from them and maybe come up with something where we can, you know, get just our, you know, supplies from them and maybe we'll get it at a discounted price. I mean, we get our eggs from our uncle who has a bunch of chickens. He has like a hundred chickens. So we're constantly getting these beautiful brown, green, blue eggs from him. And that's what we use. Yeah. So, I mean, we try to, you know, make the best of a situation like that, but I mean, but yeah, it is, it is difficult. And I can see where it is difficult for individuals that are, do have a bakery because everything is just increasing on a daily basis. Like for example, the granny Smiths went from $35 for 72 apples to $68 Mm -hmm. within the last month. So it's, it's just, insane sometimes so we have to try to um, find a different way yeah somewhere so else like now we're them. going out to Sanger to yeah. get different types of apples and how we're going to be experimenting with those how do you think about pricing your pies how did you come to those decisions that was tough too <laughs> yeah that was really tough my sister actually is a graduate from Fresno State 
And my other sister is a graduate from Sac State. So they are the big number crunchers for us because this is a family affair. So they do help us with that. And we ran numbers and said, okay, this is what we can do to still keep it affordable for individuals, but also still be able to make something on, on them. Okay. What do you think is your ratio between new customers and repeat customers? I think it's pretty even right now. Yeah. I feel like it is, especially, you know, with uh, us going out to different events and marketing, we do get a good ratio of new customers and repeats. And our repeat customers are great too, because they're always so supportive and just nice. And like, we love, love that hearing, you know, like, oh, we saw you guys, we keep following you guys or that we see them again at different events. And we're just like, Hey, how's it going? You know, to see those faces again, it's really cool. Yeah. Do you think that social media allows your repeat customers to stay in touch or is it bringing in more new customers? I think it's a little bit of both. Also word of mouth. So a lot of our Mm -hmm. existing customers, they do say, Hey, you know, they must tell their friends, you know, go check them out. Or if you're looking for this, hit them up and they will, they'll call and they say, Hey, so-and-so sent me, you know, or I tried your, you know, your pie at so-and-so's event. Or, you know, they had a birthday and they got one of your pies. And so I think that it kind of goes hand in hand. Social media, I feel like, I mean, somebody might share it, you know, like, oh, I just got some pies from the Pie Mamas and on their personal page and then everybody that they have see it. And so then they'll start following us as well. And so it just kind of goes hand in hand. I think it's 50-50. That makes sense. Uh, Are people primarily buying pies for special occasions? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the majority of our pies are for special occasion occasions like weddings, birthdays. Uh, we have one coming up for a memorial. Their grandpa really enjoyed pies, so that's that's coming up. But we do yeah. get a lot of a lot of different things. We had a yeah. divorce one oh, yesterday. Yes. We a had divorce a, pie. Yeah, <laughs> what was, flavor was that? It was a triple berry, and it triple said, berry. "May the divorce be with you," and it oh had my God. flavor. Wow, that's 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 fun. So I have a problem with that because. I think that pies should be for any time, obviously. All the time. And, you know, some of these like social conventions that certain things are for special days is horrible because I don't ever think about that with cookies. Like if yeah. I want a cookie, like I'm just going to get a cookie, whether it's a Tuesday, right. Friday or my birthday, I'm going to get a cookie. And I think some, I think we need to work together to change people's perceptions of pie. It's not just for holidays. It's not just yeah. for special occasions. You can, you can and should have a slice of pie whenever you want. Okay. Yeah, there's my, there's that. my, there's my monologue. There's my speech. Let's continue. Yeah. Um, we say that all the time yeah. is treat yourself. Yeah. <laughs> treat yourself. Exactly. Treat yourself. Exactly. I'm thinking of Aziz in that Parks and Rec. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's where we get that. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's get into your pies. What are your hottest selling pies and what are, what's one pie you would say that is underrated that you make that more people should buy? Okay. So I would say our top are going to be our traditional. So like our apple, triple berry, and our bourbon pecan. Those are our top sellers because that's what individuals do know of when they think of pie. They're like, it's either a berry, an apple, or a bourbon. Yes. Yeah. Underrated, I would say it would probably be when we did our, our pineapples. Seasonals. Yeah, or seasonal our options. Seasonals. Oh, strawberry summer pie was just my yeah. top favorite. That and our peach pie. It was just so good and individuals... If they didn't try it next year, they really should. Yeah. And our pineapple, our pineapple is still season. Were you using field strawberries for that? Yes. Oh my God. What was, what, yeah. is it just strawberries and crust? What was in the pie? It's strawberries, sugar, cardamom, and lemon zest. 
Oh my God. It, How did I miss it? It was, yeah. We had <laughs> actually a customer of hers yes. that came every event we were at. <laughs> she, she would buy one. She would she buy her whole work schedule so she can come in <laughs> and get strawberry pie. Yeah. That is so wonderful. All right. Let's, let's get into kind of cooking tips. So ideally in a perfect world, people would be buying pies from you for Thanksgiving. But let's say that right. they're traveling, they're not in Fresno and they need, and their mother-in-law is like, you need to bake a pie for this holiday. Mm -hmm. What are some suggestions and strategies for people that are baking for a holiday that are trying to reduce stress? Because for a lot of us, Thanksgiving can be stressful. Mm -hmm. what, would, what would you recommend as either easy routes to go or strategies for preparation for baking pies for the holiday? Oh my gosh, prep, prep, prep. So if you know Thanksgiving is on Thursday, start like Sunday night if you really want to get ahead and make your pie dough, let it sit because you want to let it sit and rest. You know, Monday comes around, you roll out your pie dough, you make your pie filling, put that in the fridge, and then your pie crust in the freezer. You know, you can make your crust as well, like whatever lattice top or a full top if you want, throw it in the freezer. And then when you're ready to bake that day, bring it out put it together. It's like a yeah. little to go kit, so to speak. And then you're good. You've literally cut your work time in half of day of stress time is less because you're prepping as you go. And all you're doing that day is just baking it. And you, you already said, right. That pies can last multiple days. So if you know yeah. that Thursday morning is going to be hell on earth, getting everything else prepped, right. You could mm -hmm. in theory just bake the pie the night before. Right. Yeah, you yeah. can, honestly. And you could just pop it back into the oven day up if you want it to be warm and it'll be just as good. And they're not going to know if it's, you know, you baked it today in the morning or not. Okay. Let's talk about what you all are going to be offering for these upcoming holidays. What are some things that you're excited about? We're going to get to how people can find you and connect with you in a minute, but I just want to talk about your offerings for the holidays first. So we are going to be doing our whole pie Um option and we are all going to do a four pack of minis option um so we are not going to offer the babies um, for that week of thanksgiving only because those are really time consuming and so we want to make sure that we can get at least the whole pies and the minis in the four pack um out which is usually more common anyways so it'll just i feel like not make it as stressful <laughs> as it was last year but yeah, so we will be offering the full pie where you can get on any one of our uh, fillings and then a four pack of minis, correct? Correct. Yeah, so you can choose. We're going to try to launch our website. This way individuals can order for the two weeks leading up to Thanksgiving, um, their holiday orders. So we'll have that option, like she said, of a full size. There'll be, I think, five pies they can choose from. Yes. And then our mini pies, which are the four inch ones, those they can select either an assortment. So we would do an assortment of flavors there, or they can choose like the flavor options that they want into that. Okay. Last question before we get to kind of logistical stuff about where to find you. What are some of your uh, cooking influences, your pie influences? Are there certain chefs and cookbooks and things that you've leaned on over the years? I just want to get into for a minute, just like how you were formed as a baker. So, you know, people, if they're interested in improving their baking skills can follow a similar path. So I do have a ton of cookbooks. My mom is an avid collector of cookbooks, even antique ones. She purchases them anywhere she goes and we always look at recipes, but 
I think there's a gal by the name of Emma McDonald. She does amazing stuff with pies and she is great at what she does. Like, I wish I could be her one day, like (laughs) just the level of pie making that she does, but she has really good, a really good cookbook as well. And her cookbook is great because it teaches you techniques on pies, like how to do different pie edges, what to look for in your pies. So that's a really good place to start. But there's a million cookbooks out there. Baking Illustrated is another one that's really great as well. That's another great cookbook because again, that takes you through the basic steps all the way up to like a more intricate pie or baking, you know, items. So it's just definitely different cookbooks that you can purchase and everything's available now, like online, like Amazon or Walmart or, you know, even going to thrift stores because we do get a lot of our older books from thrift stores they're great because you can buy them for almost nothing usually, or like even estate sales and stuff, you know, you get great, great cookbooks from those places. Okay. Last question. Where can people find you online and how do they order pies? So they can find us on Instagram. That's our main place. Instagram is the pie mamas, all one word, the same with our Facebook page and our TikTok. And that's where they can find us to see where we are going to be located for that week or month. This weekend on Saturday, the 14th, we're going to be at the Fresno High Flea. And that's right there in the Fresno High School parking lot. They have a farmer's market there. And that is from 10 to 2. So we'll be out there with our pies. um, So everyone can enjoy those and pick them up if needed. And then other than that, we'll be at the Kern Street Market downtown Fresno on the 18th. So it's Wednesday from 10 to 1 as well. Okay. Last question, just give me a yes or no, and we'll leave it mysterious for listeners. All right. Crimp or not crimp? Mm, Yes. Yes. Okay. And on that note, thank you for talking with me. This has been a wonderful conversation. I've learned a lot about pies, and I appreciate the work you're doing and sharing them with our community. Thank Thank you. you. We appreciate you giving us this opportunity. We love talking about pie and baking, so thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, you can support this podcast by leaving us a rating and review or by making a financial contribution at our Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com slash Fresno's Best. We'll see you next time.